0: What's up, everybody? On today's episode of the Sports Blog New York podcast, we're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament. We're going to walk you through each region to help fill your bracket out, tell you what we like, what we don't like, and also start talking about the NBA prospects who are going to be playing in this tournament. And joining me for today's podcast is John Lucas Duffy. What up, dude?
1: What up, what up, Pete?
0: How hype are you for this tournament?
1: Bro, the NCAA tournament is about to start. We got the NBA playoffs coming up. We got a wild race in the West. I am approaching basketball nirvana at this point in my life, and I could not be happier.
0: It's a great time. Oh, man, Duff. It's such a good time in the year. I mean, come on. We got the NCAA tournament. The first four start on Wednesday, which is today. For you people listening to the podcast. And then the big dance on Thursday. I mean, is there a better day to be a worker in an office? Like, to be in an office space on Thursday and just do no work, neglect everything, and just stream every game possible while you're at work?
1: Yep. Yep. Hit that boss button real quick. Like... Whenever he's turning that corner, hit that button real quick.
0: Man, you know I'm going to have so many tabs open. My computer's not going to work. Like, it's not going to even... Is that, no, well, the, the cool thing is though, plenty of people in my office kind of like. They they get it, you know what I mean. It's NCAA tournament, and luckily for me, actually, the NCAA tournament's actually part of my work in a weird way. Uh, but it's a great day, Thursday and Friday. There's so many games, and then Saturday, Sunday, even better. Uh, and Duff, thanks for coming in and talk about this today. Our plan here to give people a, a quick rundown is to talk about each region, right? say which teams we like the most who can make a run also maybe what team might get upset or might get knocked out a little early and why we do that me and duff are going to highlight the top nba prospects in each region from the biggest teams maybe some guys you don't know maybe some guys you've been hearing about all year but it's important because if you like the nba and you haven't been following college all year this is a fantastic time to take a look at deandre ayton take a look at Trey Young, if you want, and the, all the Duke players and all the Kentucky players, it, it, it's just it's electric, and there's not really a better time of the year for basketball, especially because there's NBA playoff races going on right in the middle of it.
1: It's it's just the best time of year. This is the best time of year. Fuck Christmas, fuck Fourth of July. Parker House opening weekend is a close one, <laughs> but this this is the best time of year.
0: And uh, just as a little prerequisite, after we talk about the little bracket stuff and the NBA prospects, Duff and I are going to be talking about the NBA playoff race as it really heats up and comes down to the wire. There's like, what, seven teams in the West fighting for – no, is it more than that? No, seven teams in the West fighting for five spots, is it? The, Uh,
1: The four seed through the ten seed are separated by two games.
0: Insane. Absolute insanity. And also the Eastern Conference, the, the positioning in that conference is going to be very key. You know, the Raptors are probably praying that the Cavs stay at three, so they stay on the bottom of the bracket, and, and vice versa, because the Cavs probably don't want to see the Raptors in the second round either. It's it's absolute madness. But speaking of madness, Duff, let's get to the main reason why we're here. And let's start off where most people who are not sociopaths start off when talking about the NCAA tournament. That is the top left of the bracket, uh, which we know as the South Bracket, led by University of Virginia, the overall number one seed. But Duff, is there a team, maybe Virginia, maybe not, that you like the most in this bracket?
1: Uh, in this bracket, I like the Arizona Wildcats, the duffel bag boy himself, Sean Miller, and DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> and Alonzo Trier, the deer antler spray man, who was suspended for most of the season because he tested positive for you know like illicit substances or whatever pretty sure it was deer deer antler spray maybe that was just a rumor but i thought it was hilarious so i'm gonna stick with it and then who i don't even care about the bottom half of that region really just whoever wins the sweet 16 in the top half of this region which you know if i if we all had it our way it would be Virginia versus Arizona, whoever wins that, is probably going to go on to the final four from this region.
0: All right, speak for, no your, disrespect, speak for, no speak disrespect for yourself. No disrespect
1: to Cincinnati, old Big East. No, Got to no. love
0: them. Speak for yourself, Duff. You don't you don't know where I'm going here. I, I do also like Arizona a lot this year, and I do think Virginia is no slouch, but I, I, I'm kind of on this Kentucky train right now. I'm not going to lie. Kentucky has been a different team in the second half of the year than they were throughout the beginning. I mean, they ran through the SEC tournament. They beat Tennessee, who's also in this bracket and also a team that I really like. But I look at this this Kentucky team, and they don't really have a true point guard like they've had in the past, but they now have this trio of people who handle the ball, including Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Hamadou Diallo, and Kevin Knox, who I really like. Those are all NBA prospects as well. And I really, watching them through the SEC tournament, really got... Hyped up by their game, and I think the winner of the Arizona Kentucky game, my picks Kentucky, will knock off Virginia and represent the South region.
1: And I'm just going to flip that and just say Arizona. They're going to win that second round matchup, and then they're going to represent this region in the final four because DeAndre Ayton is the number one co- consensus number one college recruit for for most people out there. I say most because I know of at least one that doesn't have him as the number one. So I'll say most. But he's just a man. He is. I hear a lot of comparisons to Patrick Ewing. And guess who won a national championship when they were in college? Yeah, but how many years did it take? Patrick him? Ewing.
0: Because how many years of college did Patrick Ewing play? I think three. A full, Almost a full-fledged.
1: Was it three or was it two?
0: He definitely played more than one. So either way.
1: But it, yeah so my yeah, question but it was to only you, two then he won his freshman year
0: I'm not I'm not even sure so I'm not gonna pretend like I know but either way being compared to college Patrick Ewing or young Patrick Ewing is quite the praise uh do you think DeAndre Ayton is the type of player who though he got some rumblings of like all right he doesn't really care about playing defense all the season long do you think he he's just gonna tick it up a notch in this tournament and just be completely unstoppable?
1: Patrick Ewing played all four years in college. I just want to get that off the chest. Um yeah, I, I I can't see who who's the big man on any of these teams that can match up with him can anywhere ch- in the country. Like can- maybe Mo Bamba. And they have to get past they would they would meet in the Elite Eight if they had to play. So like find me another big man that can guard him in college basketball. And realistically,
0: please. I think I think DeAndre Eaton would little boy Mo Bamba. Like, yeah, he's got some length on him, but like Deandre Ayton is a man amongst boys at this point. Just
1: do some bully ball on him, like uh, LeBron on Lonzo Ball. That was a lot of fun to watch.
0: What Kentucky mm-hmm. does have is like a ton of lengthy guys who like really attack the rim defensively and mm-hmm. just might crash on him so hard and force him to be a jump shooter, force him to pass out. I I, I mean Nick Richards, PJ Washington, uh, another guy I think name's Grant. He's got the the, I don't know, he's got some dreads going on uh another guy in kentucky's name slipping me i'll check it right now but they, they have like this slew of characters who they can throw at eight to maybe throw him off but i mean it's hard to really bet against what you're saying here is that this guy is the best player in the ncaa tournament is that fair to say
1: <clears throat> yeah most people would say that most people would definitely say that the thing that concerns me about Arizona is Sean Miller has been doing this like two two big man like three around two type of deal with uh Dusan Ristich I have no idea if I can say his name but uh and he's just like clogging the paint for DeAndre Ayton this feels like a guy we should have seen like there should have been like 10 alley-oop highlights of him this season and I feel like those haven't really gone viral it hasn't gone viral you know like I know it sounds like a dumb criticism And it's not really me knocking him. It's kind of as far as winning games and what Sean Miller does with this team, it it seems like he's trying to get Aiton to fit his style rather than have you know fit his style around Ayton. you have the best player in the country why aren't you just catering to him instead it's the other way around but that's how college basketball is
0: i was gonna say man shout out bill self doing that to all the talent he's had in kansas history of just him forcing his players into a system and not letting them shine uh is there well, anybody because
1: adidas is just handing him prospects <laughs> that he doesn't want it's like well what am i supposed to do with this guy i don't want him It's like all right well we paid him a hundred thousand dollars to come to your school so now you have to take him <laughs> fuck
0: uh, do we fact check your news reports here or we just let them ride?
1: That's a that's a fact. That's so you a, don't have to look it up. There are no stories. I know where the bodies are buried.
0: <laughs> Duffy, you may be an NBA outsider, but you might be an NCAA insider. It's a little, it's a little scary. I, yeah,
1: I, yeah. For the people who don't know, I'm a bit of an NCAA insider.
0: We're just going to leave that there. We're gonna we're gonna go with Sweet it from the there.
1: Um, Don't quick, ask any more questions.
0: Quickly before we move on uh, to the next region, I am gonna shout out Tennessee for a second because there's a man on Tennessee, and I say man purposely because Admiral Schofield is a savage, and I saw him play against Kentucky the other day. He's about six foot six. He's not really on a lot of uh, NBA draft boards right now, but he can shoot it. He can bully ball, and he is athletic as hell. You're going to watch him and think he's like a pure power forward. Like, there's no way this guy's got a stroke because he looks so built. And then he he pulls up from, from three and drains a three in your face. You're like, holy hell, who is this guy? So keep an eye. Admiral Schofield, I mean, you can't miss his name. Shout out him. I think Tennessee has a chance to make some noise in this region as well. Uh, real quick, though, because Kentucky and Arizona are, are two favorites here, is there a chance that Kentucky or Arizona – can get knocked out in the first round to either Davidson for Kentucky or Buffalo for Arizona.
1: I could definitely see uh, Kentucky going down to Davidson. Davidson finished the season real hot, won the A-10 championship. Danny Hurley almost, almost knocked his brother out of the NCAA tournament by not taking care of business there. Cause it wasn't a done deal that, that Davidson would have got a large bid. They almost definitely would not have, but who knows? At this point, it's, it's moot to talk about. But Davidson, always a team that's dangerous in the tournament. I mean, they, they get the reputation from Steph Curry, but they, them and Western Kentucky. I don't know why I, I, I like associate those schools together. It seems like whenever those two are in, are in the tournament, I always pick a first round upset because it just, I, I, just history. I'm, I'm tired of being burned by it. I'm tired of it. And I'm telling you, I don't care what team they're playing against. I'm picking Davidson. I'm t- picking Western Kentucky in the first round doesn't matter to
0: me. Because they're always 12 seeds, you know? Like, they're always that 12 seed or, like, a 10 seed where you know they have a chance to beat the other team. Uh, also, just to do our due diligence here, Creighton, who is an 8 seed here, you know, uh, a slight under a slight underdog. Well, obviously, not in the first round. 8-9 matchup's always pretty even. But they have a chance, if they do make it to the second round, you never know. Creighton's no slouch. They can possibly knock off the overall number one seed in U- University of Virginia. And if they do, it would probably be on the back of the one man who is Creighton's NBA prospect, his name is—I don't, I don't want to mispronounce it because it's kind of a weird spelling—is uh, it Ky- Kyrie Thomas? Yeah, it's just Kyrie. It's spelled K H Y R I though. Kyrie Thomas is a junior for Creighton. He's like a point guard shooting guard combo. He can play. He can get buckets, and he's dangerous guy in the tournament. You never know what happens with him, and he is on a lot of draft boards. So keep him in mind. How much
1: trust do you put into combo guards? If they, if he's a combo guard now in in college, what is he in the NBA?
0: I don't know. I mean, he's he's kind of a scorer, um, but he can light it up a little bit. He's only six three, so I feel like in the NBA he'd probably have to be able to handle the ball to to fit in. But he he's projected in like the middle of the first round, like fifteen right now.
1: We'll see. We'll see. But you know what else we got to see about? We got to see about the East. We got to see about Villanova Wildcats are the number one seed in this region. Number two, Purdue. Pete, what what are you thinking for this region? How are you, how you feeling about Villanova as the overall one seed? What's your general vibe?
0: Well, the reason I'm actually – I'm going to hop back to the South region because I didn't say this before. Villanova got off scotch free and University of Virginia – got absolutely shelled in the seedings i mean just look at the names in the the region of virginia like we just we just talked about creighton kentucky arizona tennessee cincinnati and then you look at villanova and purdue is there is there is there two seed? like i don't care what kind of season purdue had i don't care who they have on their team they are never going to do anything important in the ncaa tournament like i i just i like i could know nothing about Purdue. I can know everything about Purdue. I'm not picking them to go past, like, two wins. Ever. So, Villanova got lucky, even looking at their 4-5. I mean, West Virginia is known for blowing it in the tournament. Wichita State, yeah, they've had some great runs, but they're nothing too crazy. They're nothing too special. Florida's fine. Texas Tech, is anybody scared of Texas Tech? No. Villanova got so lucky, the only thing you gotta look out for, because I know you're a little Villanova boy Duff over there. Alabama. If Collin Sexton and Alabama make it to the second round, anything could happen because that dude's a savage, and that dude's getting drafted top five, top seven, and he can put Villanova on their back.
1: There have been some rumblings that Collin Sexton could – he he has that sort of – Alabama and Collin Sexton have that formula, that vibe of, you know, like that Kemba Walker season or the Shabazz Napier season where you just have a team. You know, your ball handler is an excellent scorer. Solid decision maker and just the best player on the court, no matter what game they're playing in, for the most part, with you know, save for a few exceptions. And they play great team defense, but Villanova also plays really good defense. And if you have Mikhail Bridges guarding him, I, I'm I'm not worried about Colin Saxon at all anymore. Con- Mikael Bridges six foot seven, seven two wingspan. What like what is he going to do to him? Like I know
0: that you think Michael Bridges should be guarding Colin Sexton, and maybe your NCA insider is showing that you know he's going to be guarding Colin Sexton. But there are there are wings on Alabama who are useful players for them, guys who do make plays, uh, like Hall and Ingram, who who Michael Bridges should be guarding and not the point guard. Like, do you think they'd actually take Michael Bridges off somebody of his position just to put him on Sexton?
1: I would. That's what I would do. I don't know what Jay Wright's going to do. But that's what I would do, because I'm really not worried about someone else carrying them through uh, in an in, in NCAA game. Just don't help. Just don't help. Leave Mikael Bridges. Let, let him guard Sexton one-on-one. No help. I And I'm fine with that. That's a lot of faith in a man. Villanova plays positionless basketball. I went to the Big East tournament, saw him play against Butler. Absolute shit show of a game, because they just dominated from start to finish. So I think they went up like 16 or 18 nothing before butler even scored a point they when villanova is on there's not a team in the country that could beat them wow are you they sure? just they just hit too many shots and sure? they don't they, they they're they like positionless everyone on the court can shoot threes and everyone kind of handles the ball a little bit as well like Jalen, i saw Jalen brunson he's like he's between six foot and six foot two he's like backing down small point guards in the post because he's got like a, a good turnaround a good lefty hook shot he's He's a lefty just in general. That's that throws kids off just because they're not used to guarding it. Late in games, people get tired. People forget. Watch it happen at least once in the tournament in a big situation.
0: And what about uh, your man Dante DiVincenzo? The big Raggo? Oh yeah. I'm down with
1: the big raggo. I just like Doesn't how they, through his name for him. I love that.
0: I like how they just say his full name like all the time. It's like all he, the time. he's the new Ryan Archer Diacono of Villanova. Like Exactly. His full name must be said at all times, yep. especially in the tournament when it's broadcasters who don't know him. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. they're going to have to go hard. All right, so just quickly for Villanova here, Mikkel Bridges and Jalen Brunson, both NBA prospects. Uh, Mikkel Bridges is a lottery pick. He's actually looked at as a guy who can go anywhere from, like, 7 to 12, 13 range, which is in New York Knicks range. What do you think Mikkel Bridges looks like on the next level, Duff?
1: I think he is already a prototypical 3 and D guy. He, he'll he be able to do that as soon as he steps on the court. Just let him get reps guarding the best players on every other team, and he's going to learn. He's going to learn fast, and he's going to shoot the ball well for you. Just let him space. Let him be your Robert Covington. Just let him do that. Don't expect more from him. He'll, just, he'll be a plus on whatever team he goes to because he's not going to cause any problems. Because he's not going to expect to be the superstar. He's just going to do what you tell him to do, and he's going to be a good team guy.
0: Would you call him Otto Porter or Jace?
1: Better, better defender out of college, and be, and a better shooter coming out of college. Otto Porter was not a good shooter coming out of college. No. He was like a combo forward. He he like handled the ball mostly for Georgetown. So I would I would say he's already on a better track to become what auto Porter is now than auto Porter was coming out of college.
0: All right. Well, all right, moving on through this bracket here, I'm going to name these schools to you. You tell me which ones are most likely to make a run, which ones are most likely to be upset early. That includes Wichita state, West Virginia, Texas tech and Purdue.
1: Okay. Wichita. I have getting upset by Mike D'Antoni brother of, Oh no, I'm sorry. Dan D'Antoni brother of Mike D'Antoni. Marshall is going to upset Marshall in the first round. University of Marshall is going to upset Greg Marshall, head coach of Wichita State, in the first round. And then Dan Tony is going to move on to the next round. You follow all that? I got that.
0: Because Marshall, got that. I Marshall, hope the listeners got it. <laughs> uh, let me try to bring it back for him. So Marshall, the university, is going to mm-hmm. beat Coach Marshall, coach of Wichita State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Dan Tony is in the second round because Marshall beat Marshall. Correct. Correct. I could, I could see that little spot there, the West Virginia, Wichita State spot right there, being a 12-13 second-round matchup.
1: I could see that as well. I have West Virginia moving on because I have a clear bias towards the old Big East. Never forget that. You'll see when we move on to later regions, it gets real bad. <laughs>
0: uh, any I'm thoughts? praying
1: for a Sweet 16 matchup of Villanova and West Virginia. That would be a lot of fun. That, that would, would be, be like a blast fun. from the past for me.
0: Honestly, and two teams that defend the hell out of everything. Like, they, they go hard on D. So, that would yeah. be a real interesting matchup there. Um,
1: yeah, and for everyone who doesn't know, which, like, all of you don't, my brother, my brothers went to Villanova. One was a manager and actually played on the team. So, that's why I, I ride or die with Villanova. Because I got to miss a week of school every every year to go to the Big East Tournament. That was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> and you got probably, like, some special treatment being brother of a player.
1: I was, I was actually... Uh, I was at the Big East tournament this, this weekend, hanging out with my brother down, down courtside. Uh, you Not, not, not courtside, right behind Gus Johnson, like right there.
0: Oh, what, what a guy, Gus Johnson, by the way. Um, He's the best
1: announcer in college basketball, by the way, did for you happen, people who don't watch Fox Sports 1.
0: Do you happen to run into uh, any former Villanova players?
1: I may or may not have ran into Dante Cunningham. We Ooh. may or may not have been hanging out. Shout out to the Brooklyn Nets. Shout out Brooklyn Nets. Shout out Dante Cunningham. Remembered who I was. He bought me a football when I was a little kid. Not a big deal.
0: <laughs> and I don't honestly, like to
1: talk about it. You brought it up.
0: There are probably some people here listening to this podcast, like, who the hell is Dante Cunningham? <laughs> exactly. Even if they're in. you
1: know. And and we were talking about how he had a face-up game in college. When was the last time you heard face-up game? Never, because you either big men shoot threes and they catch alley oops. There's um, no mid-range face-up anymore. Um,
0: Amari Stoudemire. Exactly. Uh, also. If people did know Doncic Cunningham, there's almost no chance
1: they knew he got traded to the Nets. But moving on, um, he was wearing a Rick and Morty T-shirt. I had to get a picture with that. Was I wasn't going to do it, but just because he was wearing the shirt, I had to send it to you guys. It was a supreme
0: Rick and Morty like.
1: Yeah, he was like t-shirt. a hype beast hipster. It was wild.
0: One team in this region that is that I think can make a little splash, but can also get friggin' beat in the first round. One of the, one of those, right? One of those like, all right, they're either gonna make a splash or just get walloped in the first round and defeated and that's florida for me because florida has a bunch of shooters and in the tournament live by the three die by the three um i'm, I'm not going to count them out i think they're a sound team and they shoot a ton of threes if they get hot they don't have too much competition in that bottom half of the bracket like i said i'm never scared of purdue ever in life so florida gets past the first round which would be uh, one of the first four but st bonaventure or ucla um wait not, not ucla is that correct?
1: Yeah, Saint Bonaventure, UCLA. Right. Okay.
0: Sorry, I thought I was reading that wrong. Uh no, they, you got it. If they get past that first round matchup, they're gonna be playing Texas Tech or Stephen F. Austin, and then Butler, Purdue, or Arkansas. Uh, and I, so I like them to have a, a little slick ride into the Elite Eight, possibly.
1: Yeah, I could see I could see something like that happening for Saint Bonaventure or UCLA, not for Florida. I don't care which one of them makes it past that playing game, Florida is not making it out of the first round. And neither is Texas Tech. Stephen F. Austin in the Sweet 16. No, I'm just kidding. Um, St. <laughs> Bonaventure or UCLA is in the Sweet 16. I really don't care who who even comes out of that. All
0: right. Well, the one, that name, the one name that you need to look out for when you're watching Florida uh, run into the the Sweet 16, it's Igor Kuchevlov. All right? This guy has one of the funkiest releases. On, let me write
1: that down. Can you spell it real quick?
0: <laughs> Igor Kuch- Kuchlov, actually. That's how you pronounce it, I believe. He is... One of the weirdest releases I've ever seen in my life, but he he can rain threes. He actually played professional basketball in Europe and then came to college.
1: Whoa whoa wait, whoa! Wait no no sorry, whoa. sorry sorry whoa amateurism! What's going on here? No wait
0: that's not that's not how it went. That's not how it went. I just I just I just blew that story. Is out your boy? Is he, he went, is he
1: not is it? Whoa.
0: No, that's not – I mean, obviously, if I knew that and no one else did, that would just be weird. He went to a different college for four years and then transferred to Florida. And this is his first year at Florida, but he's like a fifth-year redshirt type of guy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, So watch out for him. And then Chioza as well, is another guy who can chuck threes for Florida. Uh, But moving on. Let's move on. you want to move to the bottom left or the bottom right?
1: Bottom left – or bottom right, bottom right. The
0: bottom right, oh, is, is that how you is that how you do it? Do you go from the west? That's the how top it is. Left? That's
1: that's. it is. Virginia is the overall one seed. Then Villanova is the second one seed. Kansas is the second two or third one seed. And then Xavier is the fourth one seed. That's how it goes in the circle like that. Okay. And then UNC is the number one two seed. Duke is the number two two seed. That's how it goes. It zigzags that way.
0: Learn something new every day. And uh, just real quick, Igor Kushlevov went to Rice for four years and then to Florida. Just just so I clear that up. No no amateurism problems here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. All right, so moving on to the next bracket, Duff. Who do you like the most?
1: Who do I like the most? I like I like uh, during tournament time. I usually try to analyze you know which team like matchups and who's who's hot and. All this shit, and I think about it so much. And this year, I just said, fuck it. I'm going with all my biases. I got I got the Hurley brothers in this Sweet 16. I don't even care about the playing game. Once again, screw Syracuse. Arizona State's going to win that game. Guess what? They're going to beat Michigan State in the second round. And then guess what? They're going to lose to Rhode Island in the Sweet 16. Wait, how did Rhode Island already get to the Sweet 16? That's right. They beat Duke in the second round. Grayson Allen trips someone in the first three minutes. He gets ejected. Marvin Bagley is elbowed in the nose. He breaks it. He has to leave the game. So now, what happens? Rhode Island's a clear winner. It's over. Trey Young, who doesn't even matter. Wow. That and was... I was—I didn't even talk about the top half of it when I got <laughs> Seton Hall up upsetting Kansas in the second round. Angel Delgado is going to go for 25 points and 25 rebounds because Kansas can't handle the interior. Whoa! You just hit us with
0: a lot, a lot of stuff there.
1: That's right. This is the spicy region.
0: All right, so in the spicy region, a.k.a. the Midwest, which I uh, wouldn't call them the spicy region if we're talking about food, but maybe. You never know. Um, yeah, St. Louis barbecue, maybe. Uh, Memphis barbecue. Uh, we'll see. Uh, anyway, you have some hot takes here. So first off, like you basically, if you're filling out your bracket, you're picking the ASU Syracuse slot to advance two rounds, right? Correct. I think you might be in luck because I think whoever wins Arizona State or Syracuse is going to win the first round. So, I think you might hedge your bet there. It's not not a bad pick. But you got Rhode Island beating Oklahoma and then Duke and then beating uh baby baby bro and making it into the Elite 8.
1: And he's going to be big bro. Bobby's the older one. Oh,
0: right. Sorry. That's
1: my that was my only correction in that whole thing. Yeah. So, everything else was 100% right. Wow. That's a lot. Um, let me tell you. Let me tell you about a guy named E.C. Matthews. He was their first top hundred recruit at Rhode Island. He was. He, he's now an eighth year college player. He's he's the Perry he's the Perry Ellis of this of this region, where it just seems like that guy who's been in college for six years. So another example would be. We, we, uh, what's that guy's name from West Virginia we were just talking about? Javon Carter. Trayvon. Javon Carter. Trayvon, Javon, Javon Carter, thank you. Can't believe I forgot his name. Javon Carter, also, look up a picture of him. He's supposed to be younger than me. I need to see the birth certificate because he looks at least 34 with three kids. <laughs> uh, in his defense, you don't specifically look like the oldest mid That's true, but he shouldn't look older than my 31-year-old brother, soon-to-be 31-year-old brother.
0: <laughs> Very fair. But
1: wait, did you 31-year-old brother? This e. guy, Matthews, this dude, he is Trey Young light because he does he's a lefty. Actually, he's like the complete opposite except he still loves to shoot. So throw out that whole Trey Young comparison. He's a lefty. He beefed up big time. He's about 6'4", 220 of just solid muscle. He is huge now. He used to be like this lightning quick dude. Now he's that older guy who kind of powers through everyone but he still gets that sweet sweet stroke from three. He thinks every shot's going in. That's what you love about him. Also, that's what used to terrify me about him when he was a freshman, and they were just, like, scratching and crawling to try to win the A-10, but now I love it. And I think against zones, or uh, against Duke's zone, because they can't play man-to-man, he's just, they, they don't need to worry about rebounding over over Carter Jr. or Bagley, because he's going to make every shot. You follow me?
0: There's a lot of confidence going on here. Can I ran on your period a little bit?
1: Absolutely. You you can try.
0: This is this is going to be my you should have said you can Trey, by the way. Um this is going to be okay. my most unscientific take of the entire day. So just how you said with Arizona, right? They have Sean Miller under investigation cuz eight and $100,000 uh, and the drug test failed by was it Trier or or was it the other guy?
1: Uh Alonzo Trier. Right. Yeah. Alonzo
0: Trier failed the drug test. The same concept you're putting to Arizona, I'm putting on Oklahoma. So what was the one team that everybody and their mother was freaking out about because they made the tournament and their state counterpart, Oklahoma State, did not make the tournament? It was Oklahoma. Everybody was freaking out. They were good in the first half of the season and then basically bad for the second half of the season. Still get the nod into the tournament as an at-large. Everybody thinks they're not going to make it. That is the exact moment where Trey Young turns it back up and they and they beat Rhode Island in the first round. It's, it's like a no-brainer for me. It was one of the easiest picks I made when I was doing my bracket. I mean, it's just the classic case of NCAA tournament. Oh, that team wasn't even supposed to be in here. They're not going to win, obviously. They, everyone didn't even think they are going to make it. And they come out with nothing to lose, chip on their shoulder, bada-bang, bada-boom, Bobby Hurley, Danny Hurley, see you later. TCU's winning, too. Duff, you're wrong. Trey Young is bringing this one home. And then Duke beats Oklahoma in the second round.
1: I'll concede TCU only because Jamie Dixon used to coach Pitt, Old Big East. Got to love that. Shout out, Old Big East. (laughs) Shout out, Old Big East. It's not the same anymore. People forget that. I don't care if Trae Young goes off because all five Rhode Island guys have to guard one play. I'm not worried about any other single person on the University of Oklahoma or Oklahoma University. I don't even care which way it is because it doesn't matter because they're losing in the first fucking round. Wow. You Take it to the
0: bank, Pete. You got real spicy in this in this bracket over here, this region. Rhode Island's going to the Final Four. All right, how many NBA players does Rhode Island have, huh?
1: That's okay, fair.
0: Right. That's what I thought. Actually, this in this region, I guess, well, how did we go this whole time without talking about Kansas, Michigan State, or Duke, the teams with all these different NBA prospects on it? <laughs>
1: I mean, I know. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Duke because Kansas is not going to do anything. That I legitimately think they might lose in the second round. That's not even a joke. I think that's a really bad matchup for them. Because of because of Angel Delgado. I was serious
0: about that. I know I believe but,
1: I believe your seriousness. Um Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Duke. Cause I think you got some spice of your own cooking up. I think you're cooking up some spice right now, Pete. I can smell it. I am cooking up some spice. Uh, so first off, let me talk let me say this.
0: right off the bat. Marvin Bagley is a fantastic fantastic college player. I personally do not love him as an NBA prospect. I kind of don't know what his role, what his best strengths are going to be in the NBA at the next level. He's not strong enough to bu- to bully people like he does in college. He doesn't have the stroke. He doesn't even have the shooting stroke of DeAndre Ayton or Jaron Jackson, for that matter. I don't love Marvin Bagley as an NBA prospect. But what I do love Marvin Bagley as is a college player. He's going to dominate people like he has in all year. You know, when you uh, YouTube Marvin Bagley's name with highlights next to it, you're going to see, oh, Marvin Bagley, 34 and 22, 28 and 16, like all these ridiculous games. He, he's near unstoppable. And him next to Wendell Carter, Trayvon Duvall, Gary Trent, and goddamn Grayson Allen, they have so many ways to come at you that they are a very scary team. And the fact that we might see Michigan State versus Duke in the third round—that is, uh that would be an amazing, amazing matchup. It'd be right there with Kentucky, Arizona, and it could end up being one of the best games of the whole tournament.
1: Nice, to ask you a quick question. Just something I was—I was—I was looking up uh, Marvin Bagley earlier. Something that intrigued me. He's six foot eleven. He has a, only a seven foot wingspan. So, little little frame of reference here. Him, he has a two-inch shorter wingspan than Mikael Bridges, six foot seven. Yeah, he has the same wingspan from, as Frankie Aquina. Um, how did he go from Tempe, Arizona, to, to to not play for University of Arizona? He played for Duke. That's very suspect. You want to know why?
0: Why he didn't get that one hundred thousand dollar offer, my man?
1: Yeah, well, well, he well, first of all, he did. <laughs> from Duke. Yeah. True. That's for first, first things first, he did get it. But how did he not? I guess he got sold on the brotherhood. Well, the I mean also the Duke brotherhood. If you can get
0: recruited by Duke, a lot of people get swayed by that, you know? I mean, yeah. Zion Williamson's heading there next year, so
1: you know, that's how that's how it goes. He also got the bag. Oh yeah. What's his name? I forget that. Who the hell? I always forget this guy's name. Who's the assistant coach for Duke? He used to coach at Oklahoma. You got me beat, man. Uh, Larry Capel. Oh, so, C- Capel. Yeah, he, he's dropping bags left and right. I'm telling you this. He he got Blake Griffin and his brother to go to Oklahoma, and then he left, and people don't know about the, like, sanctions or penalties that were brought against him. Very minor. Hard stuff to prove. It was very shady, though. And then all of a sudden, Lon Kruger comes in, buddy heel, sweeps it up. Every, like, no one cares. Dropping now, bags for Bagley. Now... As soon as he comes back, as soon as he comes back to Duke, he's dropping the bags or the Bagleys, if you will. So all these players, and all of a sudden Duke is this one and done factory.
0: Hmm. Coincidence?
1: Hmm. 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 Huh. I just cool. want to get that out there. I just wanted the people to think about something.
0: Okay. I like that. Well, since you took some time to talk about your guy Mikell Bridges, let's talk about a prospect on another team in this region, that being Miles Bridges. A guy who uh, kind of seems like a tweener of all positions. You know, like he's so athletic, can, can run with people. He looks like he can guard two through four. Uh, he's a lefty, which can be a really great thing. But when you watch him shoot a jump shot, it doesn't look like a great thing. Yet, this guy's still going to be a lottery pick. Duff, talk our listeners through Miles Bridges as a college player, NBA prospect, the whole nine. Because he's kind of
1: confusing at this point. I'm going to break this down for you as simply as possible. Carmelo Anthony. That's it. What? Look at his body type. Look at his mid-range game. And I get that he's a lefty, but imagine if he was just righty.
0: Bully ball, post up, mid-range, get to the rim. I kind of see it. It's I guess it's tough because I'm so used to watching the new Mello where he just chucks threes the all the time. Old, you mean the old Mello. The like yeah. old ass. Old head Mello. <laughs> new Mello, which is old Mello. Yeah. Because C- old Mello is, is new, is fresh Mello.
1: Old Mello, correct.
0: Right. So the new old Mello just chucks threes and, and gets torched on defense. But, like, old Mello and, like, Cuse Mello and Denver Nuggets Mello was a mid-range assassin. Used uh, actually, like, really good footwork. And, and post moves to get to the to get to the hoops I was about to say to the hoop and score
1: it's not crazy. it's not as crazy as it sounded when I first heard you say. It. I'll tell you that. Just look at next time you watch his highlights or when you watch him in this tournament look at him through that lens and just see like you'll you'll see it now that I've now that I've put it in front of you because the first time I heard that and I watched I, like I'd watched him before and I never made that comparison. And then I heard someone say that. And then I was like, what? That's crazy. Cause I like Miles Bridges and I hate Carmelo. That's, I don't want those things to be true. <laughs> and then I watched him again. And I watched Carmelo when he was in college. And I was like, or, or, and when he was like a rookie in the NBA. And I started to see it. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Carmelo was. I'm saying, like, if we're going to, you know, make a stretch comparison, DeAndre Ayton to Patrick Ewing then let's kind of like it seems fair to make this one you know what i mean
0: i, I agree and hopefully you know miles bridges will have a career worth of you know trying
1: on defense that could be a step in the right direction so yeah. it, not- two teams to not care about at all in this region auburn and clemson both upsets first round cuz i don't care how good their seasons have been i don't care if auburn was a regular season champion of the sec that's just not a team that's gonna that's gonna go far in the in the NCAs. It's just not.
0: So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like that's one of those things where it's like, all right, you know, Bruce Pearl is at Auburn, you know they're having a nice season. You know, Clemson, who's not usually a basketball powerhouse either, having a good season. But then you you see New Mexico State at the twelve and Charleston at the thirteen. I could that's another one I can see 12-13 in the second round. Hundred percent. I'm looking
1: forward to it. This is gonna be spicy. This is gonna be spicy region. All
0: right. Last guy we got to talk about here, um, to, speaking from the NBA prospect perspective, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. He's a guy who can go as high as three, possibly as low as like seven. I see him in that three, four, five range. I love this guy as an NBA prospect. He's not Marvin Bagley type, where he's just gonna dominate and score 35 on people in college. But he can shoot. He can protect the rim. He's bigger than Bagley. For me, as a prospect, I would take Jaron Jackson Jr. over Marvin Bagley 10 times out of 10. He fits the modern NBA. Now, what does the modern NBA not fit? College basketball sometimes. That being said, Tom Izzo uses him very well. He's been super effective, he's been a stud for them all year. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy to keep on your radar, especially if you're a fan of the team uh, who has like 20 wins in the NBA right now.
1: Yeah, you know what? You know what? Uh, league doesn't compare well to college basketball literally any league literally just name a league it's the only it's the only co- like organized basketball association that does two halves instead of four quarters and so they're like experimenting with the nit i, I sorry that was just like a side thing I, I, i'm huge pet peeve of mine but i agree jaron jackson fits the mold better than marvin bagley for the for for the nba today because He, sharks on on the ringer loves this guy. And he made some excellent points where he might not, yeah, he might not have that upside, that, that crazy dominant, like, you know, I was talking about going viral, like those viral games where everyone just sees the highlights or sees the stat line. They're like, Holy shit. You know, Marvin Bagley's going for 30 and 20 and blah, blah, blah. But he's going to make whatever team he goes to, he's going to make them better because he has a solid game. He's going to fit the mold. He can be, you know, like a big five or a stretch, or he'd be a small ball five or stretch four, can hang around the three point line, stretch the floor. It, 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 you're right, he just fits better. He just, I feel more comfortable. I see his game and I say, okay, I can see him translating much easier than other big men that people are, you know, going crazy over right now.
0: Like, I can just see Marvin Bagley in the NBA on a bad team averaging 18 points and seven rebounds as like a young sec, first, second, third year player and people being excited. And then he, he's asked to grow and do more and protect the rim and be efficient, stretch out his range. And and, and granted, <coughs> I think he has the ability to stretch his range out and become a floor spacer. It's just not like the smoothest of jump shots for me right now. And it, a lot, a lot for me on the, on the jump shooting is eye test. So for example, Colin Sexton was a guy all year long who was shooting like twenty-eight and between twenty-eight and thirty-two percent—not good, especially from the shorter lines in college. But I always thought he had the clean stroke. You know, I thought he had the jump shot. And then all of a sudden in the tournament, he gets so hot and he lights up multiple teams. He had the stroke all the time; it just wasn't going in. Marvin Bagley's almost the type of guy who even his makes from range look bad, like they don't look smooth to me. So it makes me a little nervous.
1: Yeah, some people just have rough shooting mechanics and some people have really smooth shooting mechanics that can translate well once they just find reps and can find repetition in their motion, being able to repeat the motion. like Pitching in baseball is very similar to shooting in basketball where you just need to work on your mechanics and repeat the motion. That's how you find consistency. That's how you hit those pinpoint spots in baseball and that's how you make shots in basketball. Once he gets in the NBA, like Donovan Mitchell had this funny line, where people were like, "Wow, you made this jump. You were the 13th pick. What happened to you? You know, what, what 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 happened between now and then?" He's like, "Well, when I was in college, I was going to classes. I had to worry about the NCAA clearinghouse. I had to worry about this, that, and the other thing. Now I'm a professional basketball player. This is my job. That's how I got better. This is the only thing I focus on. And I could see that. It like it sounds so simple. It's but but he's right. Like." It's funny to hear him say that because you you look at these other people that don't pan out and it's like, hmm, you know, what what happened? Maybe they didn't have that same mindset that Donovan Mitchell had. And I could see Colin Sexton doing the same thing. He's definitely a more highly touted recruit than Donovan Mitchell was. But I could definitely see him, you know, making that step to become a shooter like you're talking about.
0: Yeah, for sure. And also Donovan Mitchell was another one of those guys who's uh, bur- like burdened by the system. He was just hidden in the Louisville system, so he wasn't able Absolutely. to shine all the time. You see
1: it everywhere. Like, think about Carl Anthony Towns. I don't think he shot – if he if he shot five threes all year when he was in college, I would be – now if he shoots five in a game, you don't bat nine. And then Devin Booker wasn't playing any pick-and-roll when he was in college, and he gets the NBA, and he's like a pick-and-roll prodigy. It's just it, – it's so – that's why – it's part of the reason it's so tough to evaluate prospects.
0: One thousand percent. Um. All right. Well, what what's your pick here? Who's winning this bracket? I mean, this big, this region. Rhode Island's going to the final four.
1: They're in my final four.
0: <laughs>
1: I love it. Change my mind. Oh man.
0: Well, I have multiple brackets, and I basically just think here. Like, I'm not gonna pretend like I know what the hell is gonna happen. If you pick Kansas, Duke, or Michigan State, I'm making up odds right now. I'm giving you a 95% chance of getting it right. Pick one. Pick one of those three make three different brackets pick one in each you're gonna get one it's gonna be one of those three i'm very confident that's how i feel all right bro kind of a cop kind of a cop out but i kind of don't care because like me pretending to say i like one more than the other like i have four brackets and i have a different one of those three in each of the brackets so that's my answer
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking all right guy
0: Right, I mean that's that's just me being honest. All right, we need to move move on. We need
1: to move on before I puke.
0: Moving on to the last region, uh, before we have some thoughts on the NBA playoff race, Uh, the Western region led by Xavier, followed by the likes of UNC and Michigan. Also throw in Ohio State and Gonzaga in there. This this uh, region over here, Duff. Has some really good teams. Has some name brand teams. Also some sleepers the likes of Houston, San Diego State who play each other in the first round. And also your boy and your squad, the number 8 seed Missouri Tigers are in this bracket as well. So, oh yeah, baby. led by Xavier, UNC obviously a blue blood. Michigan great team. Gonzaga the the all-star mid-major team of all time. Right? How you feeling about the western region?
1: I'm feeling like I'm feeling like this region lacks NBA talent except for one team. And there's only one team in this entire region that has two NBA players on it.
0: Two Surefire. Two let's
1: say two. Two sure-fire, surefire NBA players and it's Missouri. It's the Porter brothers. I like name another team that has two Surefire NBA players
0: we were talking about this before we started recording and I threw UNC at you at you. They have Theo Pinson who will probably be like a late second round pick along with Joel Berry, who will also be a late second round pick.
1: Luke May, maybe a late second round pick. Probably right. not it though.
0: And then Michigan is, um, maybe Wagner, Muhammad, Wagner, Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rakim. Like maybe he'll get a look, but maybe not Mo Wagner. He'll definitely be a late first round pick, but you're kind of right. And like Gonzaga is not a huge prospecting school. From that standpoint, Michael Porter and Jante Porter might be the top two players in this region.
1: Like, in that in that game that Michael Porter came back in, and I was so hyped up for that. I was watching the shit out of that game at 3 p.m. on a Thursday. Loved it. Even though Porter, Porter didn't show out like I wanted to, the confidence was there. Like, he was willing to shoot the ball, but he looked... Like a guy who hadn't played basketball in six months. That's what he looked like, and hopefully this this week that he's had week and a half to it'll be a week by the time he plays again uh, to to like fully practice with his team and kind of figure some stuff out. I think they'll look better. They were also playing against a zone. Georgia was playing a zone, and I think you know college kids don't know how to play against zones for whatever reason. They just don't know how to figure it out.
0: There's not enough space.
1: I guess. Yeah. So like, he just kind of was doing the Jackie moon where he would run to come get the ball and try to find a feel for the game. And he felt like he needed to be the guy and the team had actually been doing well without him. And he would like, come get the ball, realize there wasn't much going on for him and then like, give it back. And then like, try to make a cut and get open somewhere else again. Like, I, so he looked a little lost in that game, but I think between him and his brother, they, there's the, the two of them are six ten. They can both shoot the three. And I think they both combined for, like, 30 rebounds in that game against Georgia. So if the two of them are clicking, I don't see how they don't win this region. They have the highest upside to me.
0: I hear you. It's also such a strong take, but I, I love the take. I really do. And I'd be lying if I said in one of my four brackets, I didn't pick that exact scenario. But I look at Gonzaga, and I look at Killian Tilly, who is a guy who you may or may have not heard of, but he... He's a guy who, you know, on Gonzaga looks like an absolute savage. You know, in the grand scheme of the NBA world, is he anything? Like most likely not. But this guy is very talented in college basketball, and and Mark Few and Gonzaga is just one of the most consistent programs we have in all of the NCAA right now. You throw in Zach Norvell Jr. and John Perkins, they are such a quality team. I love your take here, and I hope Michael Porter just like shows out and goes off in this tournament, it'll really shake up the draft. But when I look at the top half of that bracket, I see Gonzaga, I see them being the easiest 4C to to make sure they get past their 13. And then whether they play Ohio State or San Diego, uh, South Dakota State, who has a chance to upset Ohio State, I'm not worried at all. I think Gonzaga Xavier or Gonzaga Missouri is a lock for that um, Sweet 16 it would be. And Gonzaga is almost basically going to be lock for my Elite Eight Final Four. They're one of my my sh- most surefire picks of the entire bracket.
1: Have we ever seen a more overqualified four seed? No, I There's, don't know. They have thirty wins. They're they're always incredible. The fact that honestly, what sucks for
0: the it, what suck what sucks the most is this poor thirteen seed. Usually, thirteen seeds have a chance. You know, like we think Charleston has a chance against Auburn. Uh, we don't really think. Buffalo has a chance
1: at Arizona, but Marshall is going to be Wichita State. You
0: already called that one. Like I don't think UNC Greensboro will even come within 25 points of, of of Gonzaga. I don't know what the spread is on that game yet. I'll check it tomorrow or the or day of the game, but I can totally see that being a 22-point spread easily. And that's like a 1 versus 16 spread basically.
1: Yeah. definitely. I I, I definitely agree with that. One thing to note if you want to talk about this, oh, a team that can make a run from the bottom half of this bracket, San Diego State. People are not paying attention to them. They just won the Mountain West Conference. For people who don't watch that, I highly recommend it. They have the coolest court in all of basketball, college, or pros. Just just take a look at it. It's a lot, it's, it's really cool. Um, they, they're, they've they they been hot. And Michigan, they had like, they, they won the Big Ten Tournament that's true, but they also struggled to get by Iowa. It was kind of like a weird thing for them. They've been sitting around for an entire week. The Big Ten used to be the very last game played before Selection Sunday. Then it was like the, like the first, Power Conference to finish their tournament by far this year. They played a whole week ahead of the uh, the Big East tournament because they were both in the Garden. It was. Very weird scenario. So th- that'll that be an interesting rest versus rust thing that everyone's going to talk about. That should be a lot of fun. Just kidding. It's terrible. <laughs> um, <coughs> but uh, as far as there's only one blue blood basketball conference in here and or basketball team in here. And that's UNC. Like if you're going to go based off of tradition and what what's supposed to happen kind of when you just have these teams going up against each other. Just historically, when you have like the Xaviers and the Ohio States and the Gonzagas and the Michigans and the UNCs, this should be a cakewalk for UNC. It should be. I don't think it will be. Obviously, I have Missouri in my Final Four, but if you're going off his- historical performance, this should be a breeze for the team that just, uh, <coughs> just beat Duke last week.
0: I think one guy who we're forgetting here, if we're talking about NBA talent, is a guy on Texas AM who's a seventh seed who will be facing off at UNC uh in the second round if they get past I think who do they play in, in uh they're probably they're gonna
1: get they're gonna get beat by Providence in the first round.
0: Well if Texas AM plays <laughs> beats Providence in the first round, which is very possible being a seventh seed versus ten, they have a guy by the name of Robert Williams, who's a sophomore. He would have been a lottery pick last year if he left after after being a freshman. He came back which was a toss-up of a move since he didn't really up his stock too much, but he's still a 6'9", 240-pound bruiser who I think luckily UNC has the guys like Luke May and Theo Pinson to really bang bodies with this dude and not be too thrown off by him. But if we're talking about strict NBA talent, Robert Williams is a name you will see on draft night. Guaranteed, middle of the first round, put it on the board.
1: Why have they lost 12 games? Uh, they were like a preseason top 17.
0: This has been such a weird year. I mean, we haven't talked about this specifically too much, but I guess you can kind of tell by all this crazy upsets that you're picking and I'm picking also. We had so many changes, so much variation. I mean, Arizona State was at one point a top five seed in the country and then was one of the last teams to even make it in the tournament. You know what I mean? Like – this entire NCAA year has been outrageous. Kentucky was as high as a freaking like 3 or something like that and then in the, in the 20s. Like th- this is just how it was from top to bottom all year long. Nobody knows what's going to happen in this tournament.
1: Yeah, and everyone's been saying like, "Oh, this is the year. It's wide open." And I'm definitely like drinking the Kool-Aid on that. I'm deep. I'm deep on that side of the spectrum. But I would be so disappointed if if we came out and then it's just like yeah, Arizona, Villanova, Duke, and UNC are in the Final Four. Like that would that would be like a little disappointing to me if there weren't. For all the hype that this year's getting for you know March Madness, this is definitely the year that it's going to be wild and crazy, of fast and loose. This is March, baby. Yeah, but I, I hope, I hope it's actually like that instead of you know a cakewalk for these teams.
0: So what I haven't said yet on today's episode of Sports Blog New York podcast, by the way, Pete Kennedy and John Lucas Duffy here, um, chilling, shooting the breeze on the NCAA tournament and the prospects that are in it. What I haven't said yet today, Duff, is that I think the whole Cinderella story is one of the biggest hoaxes of all time. Like, Cinderella teams don't really exist. We want them to exist, right? So...
1: You forget about George Mason. 12 Oh years ago yeah, did George
0: Mason. But blah, blah, blah. I don't give a crap. <laughs> All right, so that was that was actually a Cinderella story. And did they win that the whole thing? Did they win the championship? They did not. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, the The biggest and baddest schools are the schools that win the championship. If you can, I mean, you can consider the team to make a Final Four the Cinderella story, like South Carolina last year. That was spectacular. Did anyone ever really think South Carolina was winning the championship? No. They didn't. If they did, they were drinking the Kool-Aid or lying to themselves. So we can sit here all day long and say, oh, you know, Rhode Island's going to make a run and and yada, 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 and, and maybe you're right, Duff, and maybe somebody listening to this podcast uh, listen to you and picks Rhode Island to go to the Final Four or whatever the hell you have, Matt, and they're going to be ecstatic, and they're the Cinderella story, quote-unquote, of the tournament. But even if they make such a far run, Elite Eight, Final Four, whatever, they're not winning the whole thing. When it is all said and done, it is going to be most likely, you know, Villanova, Virginia, Duke, Michigan State, UNC, maybe even Michigan, Kentucky, Arizona, and it's not going to be frigging Clemson. It's not going to be... Uh, I mean, it's not gonna be Miss Like i love Michael Porter, but it's not gonna whoa, be
1: Whoa, whoa. Like they're
0: not winning they're not winning the championship. It's just it's not how it goes. Cinderella stories is one of the most overplayed storylines in the NSA tournament history.
1: I got a little pop quiz for you. Who do you know what the highest seed to ever win a championship is? The highest number seed.
0: Is it an eight seed?
1: It was it is an eight seed.
0: Yukon. Blue basically a blue blood.
1: Oh, it was also uh Villanova in eighty five
0: close enough to blue blood <laughs> like that's what, that's what i'm saying like when uconn won uconn's been a historical uh ncaa program like they've been known as great for for years and years and years and they had uh the crazy run as the eight seed but even still it was uconn and even when syracuse was like one of the last in and they were an 11 seed and made a run to the final four it was freaking syracuse you know what i mean like cinderellas are all fun and upsets do happen absolutely do happen but like none of these cinderellas are actually going to ever win Boo. <laughs> Last year, I went really hard on that take and caught a lot of flack, and I loved all of it. You fucking dick. <laughs> all right, well, we got to keep this thing moving because we do need to talk about some NBA stuff for like 10 minutes right after this. So who who do you like outside of Missouri since you already picked them to go all the way? Who else do you like most likely out of Missouri uh, out, outside of Missouri to win the West?
1: UNC. This should be easy for UNC.
0: I like that. I think uh, Gonzaga is my team, and I do really like Michigan. Michigan's the number one team for me. That is either gonna like lose in the first round or be in the final four or like elite eight. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. see I don't, I don't see them being a tweener team. I see them either getting crushed by Montana, this like season brutally over, or they make <laughs> an actual good run. But Gonzaga is my squad in the Western Conference or region, whatever. All right, Duff. Last thing on the NCAA tournament before we hop over to the NBA playoffs. You gotta pick your winner, man. You gotta do it. Gotta, who, who's, win, who's winning the national champion? The national champion. I already
1: I already told you, bro. I pick Villanova to win and then I work backwards. That's how I do it. Nova Nova Nation, baby. Ninety to eighty one against Air.
0: No bias High at all. Scoring. No bias. Like nothing. They're the right? best
1: team in the country. Change my mind.
0: <laughs>
1: all right. Well, who you got, Pete?
0: Um, I guess in the world of realistic Cinderella's, my pick is a realistic Cinderella. I think back against the wall, no one's expecting them to make this much noise. I think this is a University of Kentucky season to bring home the ship. Coach Cal second at University of Kentucky. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I, I watch his team a lot in the SEC tournament, and they really came together. I think Kevin Knox is going to be the breakout performer of the NCAA tournament. Guy's going to increase his stock like crazy. I love what he does on the court. He can really shoot it uh, since the second half of the season started. I, I really like Kentucky right now.
1: Yeah, they're peaking at the right time. Youngest team in college basketball history, though. People forget that.
0: Which most likely, most likely means they will not win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Dude, SBNY podcast, great stuff on the NCAA tournament. We're right at an hour here. So let's only spend like 10 minutes or so talking about these NBA playoff races that are going on right now. But Duff, they're absolutely insane. Um, Let's start with the Western Conference because that one's the the more ridiculous and the more up in the air. So I'm going to start with this. The San Antonio Spurs are not currently in the playoffs. Well, actually, by today... Uh, Because we're recording this on Tuesday night. The Spurs are beating the Magic, I believe, tonight. So they might be in. But either way, they're like right on the teetering point and most recently have been on the outskirts looking in. Do you see the Spurs' playoff streak since 1997 ending or do the Spurs find a way in?
1: I have to say, I I, I can't go against Popovich. I just can't do it. As far back as I've been able to make the Spurs have been in the playoffs. And Jalen knows things. This is, Bill Simmons does a segment sometimes called Jalen Knows Things. And for whatever reason, Jalen knows everything about Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard is coming back on Thursday. Make sure you turn into that. Tune into it. I don't know if it's officially been announced. No, he's but actually, according to Rose, it's actually it's like
0: been now saying he's not going to play Thursday. They're actually saying that now? What the? this f- Since when? S- sends Jalen to
1: learn some more things. Son of a bitch. He didn't call me. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't know. That kind of, that kind of, that. that's like everything hinges on that one thing. So if Kawhi Leonard comes back, then I think they make it. I think they'll squeak in. If he doesn't, then I don't think they make it. So I, th- I think it really all, it all hinges on that because no one on the Spurs is playing as well as Nikola Jokic or, um, Donovan Mitchell or, like, the Clippers as a team, just as a whole. So I don't really know if I can see them leapfrogging them. The only thing, I, I don't know if I trust them to control their own destiny. And I think I, the way they're playing right now, they kind of have to hope for other teams to shoot themselves in the foot on the way down, like maybe the Timberwolves without Jimmy Butler. But we'll see.
0: I kind of feel, feel you there. I'm know I I'm with you. It's, it's really tough because – the the Denver Nuggets and the Spurs are both a team where you watch them on any given night, and you either say about the Spurs like, oh, there it is, same old Spurs, just always moving the ball, just beating everybody, whatever. And then you watch the Spurs play like a pretty good team because their uh, versus five hundred versus uh, against first under five hundred teams record is is pathetic. Basically, they're one of the worst in the league against above five hundred teams, or the difference between their two. And the same with the Nuggets. The Nuggets can play a good team, drop 135, play pretty good defense. Nikola Jokic, triple-double. Gary Harris, 25 points. Jamal Murray, 20 points. And then all of a sudden, they're losing to the Lakers, who I don't know if they lost to last night because it didn't happen yet while we are recording. But those two teams are right now on the outskirts. But there's two teams that can look as good as any. So it's really tough for me especially with how good the Utah Jazz have been. But I'm just going to go straight off of my own bias here and say straight off of intrigue and the fact that Avery Bradley is now out for the rest of the season, the Clippers are going to fall out. The Clippers are going to be the team left on the outside looking in because the basketball gods just won't allow a Greg Popovich-less playoffs with Doc Rivers and the Clippers led by DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams in the playoffs. It, it just it can't happen, Duff. There's
1: no way, right? It better not happen. All the shit I've given Doc Rivers over the years, he better not be in the playoffs if Pop isn't. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I can't have that. It can't happen. I can't have that. Ah. And quick thing, you mentioned the Lakers real quick. I just want to say they got about six games coming up between, or maybe it's five, five or six games coming up against those teams that are in that four to ten range like that we were talking about. A team that's been, they're like 18 and 10 in their last 28 or something like that. This team has nothing to lose. They they've been getting hot towards the end of the season. Like if they weren't, tank, like they didn't tank the beginning middle of the season, they would have been in a nice position to kind of make a run here. But it is what it is at this point. I'm looking at them to make, to play spoiler here coming up. I wish
0: there were more teams like the Lakers in the league because they have nothing to lose with their picks. Like they're not going to have their pick basically no matter what. Uh, the Nets are another team like that who don't have their pick. The Nets just happened to be pretty bad, even though D'Angelo Russell went bananas uh, tonight. Um, the Lakers have been so fun to watch. They've been absolutely enticing, and Lonzo Ball's running around. Brandon Ingram, who's been a little banged up, looks so much better than he did last year, obviously. But then they're just a fun team to watch, and I, I wish more teams were like that. Uh, but Duff, do you have any spicy takes for me and these Western Conference cool. playoffs?
1: Oh, I got the spice. It's not in the west. But it's oh. in relation to the west. I will bet anyone that the Sixers will end with a better record than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves have a 3 game lead on them as of tonight. They have they're the same in the loss column and the Timberwolves have 3 games up in the in the win column. And the Sixers to to close out the season for the Sixers, they just lost to the Pacers tonight by Two points, three points. And coming up, they have the Knicks, the Nets, the Hornets, the Grizzlies, the Magic. Then they play the Timberwolves head-to-head. Then they have the Nuggets at home. That's a win because the Nuggets are trash on the road. They got the Knicks again, then the Hawks, then the Hornets, then the Nets. And then they play uh, Detroit at Detroit. That team's not going to have anything to play for at that point. Then they have... Cleveland, that's going to be a really fun matchup because who knows where the uh, the playoff matchups will, will be at that point. That might be like a 4-5 or five matchup, 3-6. That could be a lot of fun. And then they finish the season with the Mavericks and the Hawks. So if you were counting there, I, I just rattled off like 12 wins for them. Easy. So like they're you- playing – lottery. how many lottery teams? One, two, three, four, five, like 11 lottery teams. And then they get the Nuggets in their own building. So that's that's like 12 quote unquote very winnable games. That's how I'll put that. Right. And the thing <laughs> you always worry about with the Sixers, me and Bab and his friend Seppi always talk about this all the time. And Seppi always brings it up to me because I'm I'm like, I ride so high on them. He's like, dude, you gotta remember the turnovers, the turnovers, this is such a young team. But it's I think it's just a product of their system. And as they all get older, they'll work themselves out of it. They have the most passes in the NBA. and Moving the ball a lot, a lot of young guys making decisions. It's going to be turnovers, and they got to clean that up for the playoffs because that shit definitely is not going to fly when they get there. But I think there's a path to fifty wins for these Philadelphia Seventy Sixers if they take care of business in all those games, then they win a couple of those tough ones, they get to fifty wins.
0: You just mentioned, like all the worst teams in the league.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, seriously, like well, I, was, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe what I was saying. They're basically playing against the G League to end the season. They might as well play the Knicks 10 times in a row. Like that's that's
0: they're playing the Magic and the Mavericks and the Grizzlies and the Knicks and the Nets and the Hornets. All these teams who don't care. They don't want to win. The Knicks just lost to the Mavericks. All right. You know how bad that could be for the Mavericks that they just want that they just beat the Knicks. That's how bad the yeah, Knicks it's are. Actually, right now. like so bad. Yes, horribly bad. Uh, I just wish if the Bulls won tonight, it would have been even better for the Knicks. But the Sixers have a realistic route to set themselves up for possibly, unlikely but possibly home court advantage in the playoffs if they can snag a four seed. Like that can really happen.
1: Pretty sure their over under for the season was like forty one wins. Which 41 I forty one wins. They're gonna bang the under that. on. <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah, I think I might have taken the under on that too because I thought it was so ambitious. But there's a real path for them to get to close, like to get to fifty wins. There's an actual path.
0: That would be insanity, but it could happen. Duff, you brought the spice on that one. You really did.
1: It's um, there. Do the math, folks. Pete, before we go, I gotta ask you. NBA, you got an NBA outside of the week.
0: Well, you didn't let me get to a spicy take of mine for the. For oh the shit!
1: Sorry, Pete. What's your spicy take?
0: Come on, dude. That's that's, that's Sorry, that, was, that, that was really mean. <laughs> All right, so this is my spicy. Sorry. This is my spicy take for the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs as well, and it kind of ties into your little Sixers thing here because the Sixers can help mine be correct. The Cleveland Cavaliers, currently sitting at fourth in the Eastern Conference should be the third seed, right? Like nobody nobody in their right mind thinks the Cavs aren't one of the best three teams in the East if they don't think they're the best no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. The Cavs fall so hard that they help even out the Eastern Conference playoffs to the way it's supposed to be. I think the Cavs end up as a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. The six, The sixth seed. Okay. Six. Because I'm taking part of your little segue here from the Sixers. Sixers go on a tear against all these bad teams, right? The Pacers have been playing very well. Bradley Beal and the Wizards have been playing very well. And right now, currently, the Cavs and the Wizards have the same amount of wins, exact same amount of wins. Sixers only two games behind. The Cavs have looked horrible, atrocious at times. They got crushed by the Lakers the other night. LeBron actually looks like he's trying and the Cavs are losing. And that is a scary sight. Now, I don't know what I'm doing about betting on the Cavs for the playoffs yet. We're going to save that until playoff time, right?
1: Save that until Kevin Love.
0: Exactly. Until Kevin Love comes back. But what I know is that the Pacers care every single night. The Wizards care every single night. And the Sixers care every single night. And that's going to lead me to seeing the Cavaliers fall from currently 4th in the east they're going to fall to number 6 but it will balance itself out cuz they're supposed to be the 3 seed anyway and they're going to end up playing the 3 seed as the 6 seed it's my spicy take
1: i'm i'm all here for it cuz i'm curious to see what they'll do with Kevin Love cuz LeBron might just say hey you know we don't care if we get the 6 seed if we have you that's all that matters uh, some real, some real bro shit right there. Um, and then they're just not gonna give a fuck about anything. So what are they just gonna give them a couple tune-up games before the playoffs? What do you think? What do, what do you think is gonna happen? Do you think Kevin Love needs to be injured for as long as possible for this to come to fruition, or are you saying fuck it? Like even if they have Kevin Love, it's gonna be tough enough for him for them to work him into the rotation.
0: I haven't started hearing the Kevin Love's coming back th- at this point yet. And until I start hearing that, like, oh, he's coming back this week or he's coming back at the end of this week or beginning, whatever whenever that day is where it's like, okay, now Kevin's going to be coming back then. Until then, I think this is a very likely situation. But even, like you said, when Kevin Love comes back, he's not going to just come back in and play 35-plus minutes a night. Like, You know what I mean? They don't need to win these games, and that's part of it, I guess. The only thing that actually scares me is that, I'm telling you, it looks like LeBron's trying to win all these games, and he's not. And that could be a scary sight.
1: That's a good point. I mean, you're playing against the Lakers. A lot to prove with Isaiah Thomas. That was that was an interesting game. Cause even with you know, you watch the highlights of that game and you just see every possession of LeBron is just bully balling on Lonzo. They just kept exposing him, but they couldn't get any stops. They couldn't Cavaliers could not stop the Lakers without Brandon Ingram. Very interesting game. I mean, like, Jose Calderon's
0: playing, like, actual minutes.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're they're very banged
0: up right now, right? Like, Tristan Thompson's hurt. Chetty Osmond missed a game or so. But, like, that little bit right there puts so much pressure on guys who were on horrible teams, like, three weeks ago. Jordan, we can say all we want about Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, right? They're nice young players, Sure. They were playing on a tanking team that has only gotten better since they left. Think about that. The Lakers have yeah. been on a tear basically since the All-Star break when Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson left. Jordan Clarkson's never seen a shot he didn't like. He takes a ton of shots. He's not super efficient. Larry Nance Larry Nance helps LeBron more than he helps like himself be a good player or helps the team overall. He just helps LeBron's life be easier, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, putting all this this faith in Clarkson and Nance and then George Hill, who's old, who looks good one night and horrible the next night. Rodney Hood has been in and out of the lineup. All this trade that trade stuff that we loved a couple weeks ago, it doesn't look good right now. And that's what we're relying on to help LeBron win games. And it's just not working.
1: Well, I know I was high on those trades they made just for the fact that they got younger and they looked like they were playing with more energy. For based on our like quick reactions of what happened, which I totally that, agreed with, which I still think is true. But the problem is, are they, like these players are younger and they're more energetic. But are they better? You know, right? Like, is this team better? Because Clarkson is just J.R. Smith light, <laughs> and who's the second best player? It's Kevin Love, but he's hurt. When he comes back, what's he going to be? And then he's not a guy who can really create his own shot. He's good in the pick and roll. He's a good spot up shooter. He's definitely good at down in the post. But are they going to like want to slow it down and play like Lamarcus? Are, are they basically going to treat Kevin Love like Lamarcus Aldridge, a Jace, where they kind of just get him picking pop shots all the time and hopefully he spots up in the corner and hopefully. Are they going to let him work down in the post? They haven't done that the previous three years. They're going to let. They're just going to start doing it now, just out of necessity. Can't imagine. It's, it's interesting to see how they're going to handle it.
0: They're going to try to get Kevin Love as many threes as possible and keep him out of the paint for LeBron. I guess you know. It's. I don't know. By the way,
1: by the way, to all the fucking Kevin Love's haters out there over the past years, where like everyone, he's just getting everyone's shit piled on him, and now he's talking about these panic attacks he's having. This fucking this fucking guy. I've been with him since. The Timberwolves day one, he was the first player since Charles Barkley to go thirty points, thirty rebounds. I'm done with the slander. Now all you guys are gonna be like, "Yeah, wait till Kevin Love gets back, then we'll see what happens with the Cavs." I can say that you can't because I was ride or die with Kevin Love since day one. Just want to get that off my chest.
0: Let him know how you really feel, Duff.
1: I really feel like I love Kevin Love.
0: Show some love for Love. I feel you, man. You've been riding or dying. You've been saying it on the pod. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dispute that one. Um. That's it, that's it, man. Also, luckily for the Cavaliers, uh, your sons the Suns are playing the Cavs while we record this podcast, so the Cavs have a pretty easy win um, on their on on their books, basically, coming. But they're up by, like, 20 in the first quarter or something like that. Devin Booker will probably drop 45, though.
1: All right. As long as he gets his 45, I'm okay with that. They need to lose. Grizzlies aren't an 18- All right, wait. NBA outsider, real quick. Give it to me. Give it to me quick.
0: Kristaps Porzingis. He's been away from the team since his injury. Made his triumphant return to Madison Square Garden to see the team. Got a big uh, hello and dap up from Kylo Quinn. My man's back. He's training hard. He's trying to get that knee right. Trying to get the rest of his body and mind right. Shout out KP, man. Get better. Uh, In the words of our man Frank, no one can stop the unicorn. No one's going to stop him from getting back bigger and better and stronger than ever. Shout out KP. My NBA
1: outsider of the week. Minor setback for a major comeback. My NBA Outsider of the Week is all the NBA prospects in the NCAA tournament. Guess what? None of these games matter because you know what? You're all going to be millionaires in about three months. So congratulations to all of you. Four months. Three and a half. So congratulations to all of them. Also, the Memphis Grizzlies. NBA Outsiders of the Week, they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. First team to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They're on an 18-game winning streak. Wait, what are you talking about? They only have 18 wins all season. You're saying they just won them all now? No. They're actually on an 18-game losing streak, and every loss for them is actually a win. So just keep track of that. 18-game losing streak, also 18-game winning streak. Depends how you look at it.
0: Shout out. One more NBA outside of the week for me. China Clay, Clay Thompson, out there on Steph Curry's birthday doing all the best dance moves, cooking in the biggest pot I've ever seen anyone cook. The biggest pot. <laughs> the biggest
1: pot in in America. Just- just took his they shoe. flew in China Clay.
0: <laughs> just took his shoe off and threw it into the crowd for no apparent they were, reason.
1: Who's throwing shoes, my guy? What are you doing? I love that guy. We love. I love Clay Thompson so much, man. He's one of what my. What did you favorite say? You're like, I have so life. many questions, but I don't want any answers. Oh, it's going to ruin it.
0: It would ruin it. I watched like multiple Instagram stories and videos of Clay just like dancing around, doing like the the chicken dance or something like that. Like I don't even know what he was doing. As much as I want to know, I don't need to know. You know what I mean? Like I just want—I know exactly what you mean. I just want Clay Thompson to just keep being himself, always. Shout out, China Clay. All right, man. Is that it? Is that all we got?
1: Yeah, I think that's it.
0: Ah, that was a lot. That was that was a lot of effort. Hour and fifteen minute podcast. Perfect timing, if you ask me. Right.
1: That was good. I thought we went way over. I thought you were gonna be like, "Yeah, it was hour."
0: <laughs> uh, well shout out to Bab shout out to Frank one day they'll come back on the pod uh, otherwise me and Duff oh yeah our other down. NBA outsiders yes other, otherwise me and you were holding it down we got the NCAA tournament man it's one of the best times NBA playoffs around the corner uh, also for you baseball fans that's pretty close as well And uh, NFL free agency kicking off going ham we're going to cover more of that stuff in the coming weeks but this has been the Sports Blog New York podcast my name is Peter Kennedy
1: I'm John Lucas Duffy
0: you guys have a great day and enjoy the shit at a March Madness.